rocks in the middle of it. Yeah, we should hit the record button. <laughs> hey, I got you all good. Are Nick we doing was the just intro thing? Nick was just talking about how he can't go on Camel Retro anymore because he'll spend all of his hard-earned cash from the foundry. Right, Nick? Yeah, dude. Oh, it is bad. Like, I wanted a lot of stuff on there. About a fist, about a fist away from your face right there. Yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you're used to having fists in your face, aren't you? No, dude, I'm not a fighter. Big fighter. Not a fighter. I've had a couple dream fights. I you got loose. <laughs> <laughs> Very lucid. Very you, got a, lucid. you got the body of a fighter, dude. I've been uh, getting back on my lifting, and I gained like 10 pounds when I got... Uh, oh, nuts. When 10 I got pounds? married. Dude, she cooks. She I think cooks. I fluctuate like eight pounds a day. <laughs> Just one good bowel movement. Shout yeah, out. there you go. <laughs> Shout out to Raquel for making Nick not look like he smokes meth every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Getting a little skinny, bud. Should I was, man. Little? Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. I, w- I weighed myself one day at 129. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, whoa. But how tall are you? 5'7". Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's not completely still, that's not completely out of the no, range. Last time I weighed myself was like one fifty three, which is like ten pounds over like what I was in my fighting weights. Yeah. yeah. But I was like ten pounds on a five seven frame little guy. It it shows. Some of my clothes don't even fit anymore. I'm like mm-hmm. so I've been yeah. back in that gym hard. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Biking just, all over the place. So What's on today's on today's on t- oh Marv seven five seven five, no capitals, no spaces. Is that also your U.S. bank account? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing in it, by the way. So don't. Yeah, that's actually very true. No um, spaces, any capitals? <laughs> no, no spaces, any caps. Marv M A R V seven five seven five. Bienvenidos a the Midwest Flyways podcast. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Nick Yonsen. Hey Say hello, yep. Nick. How you guys doing? I'm very happy to be here and excited. Yeah. Again, late. You're very late. Again. You know like what? Always. That's a strategy of mine. <laughs> because <laughs> when I show up late, you guys are a little bit drunker. See, as example with you bashing the equipment around. <laughs> you're a little drunker, drunker, and you're also like a little annoyed, a little snappier, a little wittier. I do hey. it for your podcast. Thank to show you. Up late. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, just for this one. But go ahead and, f- go ahead and fuck just yourself. for this one. Every other one, he takes it seriously enough that he shows up on time. But ours, he just he just does whatever he wants. What do you guys? Oh no! Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> look, 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 look. All right, Nick. So rapid fire. Let's ask you some questions. You said you had some questions, yeah. which ha- piqued my interest. It quite definitely a bit. did. I'm sure because you love talking about your opinions, and so is I it bad? It. Here, hold on, I'll fix you. You ready? Yeah, no, I'm good. Is it better now? It's better. It's All right. back. It's back. Good. Yeah, Nick. Uh, the last time you see, he broke our podcast board, so he doesn't have the sound in his ear anymore. Can you hear yourself in the headphones? Yeah, just fine. Okay. <laughs> You I, did break that jack, though. How? I, I do have to pull it out a From, little like, bit. me leaning back so mm-hmm. many times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was relaxed. That's good, dude. Can't connect like it when to you're this relaxed. network. You All right. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, I clicked oh. the wrong one. So mm. let me do oh. the correct thing. Uh-huh. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. You got it now? I got it. We gave you a full Rapid pause. Fire. Rapid fire. Okay. What's What's your most interesting guide story you can give us? 
Oh man, so many great guide stories. It could be a funny one too. Like it could be a funny situation. It could be a great hunt. Like one of the most proud moments you've been as a guide, whatever. Proud has got to definitely be when I'm hunting with kids and to see their smi- like their smiles. You know what I'm saying? Like when you yeah. are like, you worked your butt off. And even if it's just one kid getting an opportunity when they never have, and you can see that twinkle just ring. And you're like, I helped make that. That is definitely yeah. like some of the proudest moments. Um, what about a specific example? A spe- specific example of a child I helped harvest their first goose. No, I don't want to do that. Let's do an, a specific... Dude, I've had some... I've had a time... I was helping out at Maxed Out <coughs> Guides. And we had these three duck guides from Louisiana that were uh, my clients and... Uh, who's helping me? One of the Zahonic brothers. And they were the best. They were the best dudes. Like, we kind of had some, some good hunts. Not great... But then uh, Graham and John Phillips were guiding these dudes. It was a group of nine of them, and they limited out every day, like nine dudes on ducks, and they were miserable. Like, they were so angry about everything. Like What? <laughs> yeah. Why? I don't know. Just one of those dudes that just the group. I don't know if all of them were that way, but, like, Graham and John were just so miserable. Just, like, Graham said to me, Sucks when you don't even want to walk into your own lodge. Like, didn't these guys shoot their limit? They're furious that Graham had a clicker. So, like, you know, if you down a duck, it goes towards your limit. That's mm, called yeah. that's called laws, right? <laughs> so they were right. they were furious that Graham was insistent about following these laws that oh my god that govern his business. Oh my god, <laughs> you know, like, oh man, because um, they wanted to shoot more. Yeah, like, no, those don't count towards your limit. Like, this is my job. Yes, it does. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, man. But they're from Louisiana? They're from Texas or something like oh. that, you know? Um, guiding, guiding, that's a very rare example. You know, guiding is awesome. You, you, all your clients. I, all right, Joey, what would you say percentage-wise bad clients? Mm-hmm. 10 to 15%. That's the highest number I've ever heard. Yeah. Out of all my guys. I've also buddies. guided way less than you have, though. Yeah, maybe you just got like a couple bad groups and that skewed the results. But mm-hmm. maybe it's like 2% to 5%. Well, I'm thinking about our uh, horse and hunt experience. And then we've got. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've got some. Uh, that was some of the coolest duck hunting, though, ever. Coolest duck hunting ever. And I've got a lot of those pictures in here right now. Yeah, I'm looking at one. Yeah, yeah. But, a couple of them. Yeah, but I. Uh, but then I was down in Oklahoma and. I had a couple of really bad experiences down there with just some shitty people, man, where they're just like, hey, why don't you call the shot on that motherfucker? I'm like, whoa. <laughs> oh, I'm a motherfucker now? Whoa. Really? You want to take a 50-yard pass shot on a ringer when we have a group of mallards coming in behind it? <laughs> Go ahead. Dude, this one time I had these clients out, and uh, we were. It was, a be- it was a tough day, really tough. And there was a lot of geese flying around. It was like... A big migration day, but we were flyover country. Like, they were not turning the cheek, and it was pretty rough. And these geese came down, like, oh, my God, like, it's 2 p.m. I've been calling all day. And they worked down to about 70 yards and kind of hung up there. And then I was like, no, there's three dudes sitting next to me, like, just ready to go. And uh, they go, hey, man, why didn't you just call that shot? I was like, 
because it was 70 yards. Do you guys all have heavy shot, double B, 12 gauge, three and a half inch in your gun? And as if in like a comedy movie, they all just like open their receivers and all of them had double B, three oh and a half God. inch, heavy <laughs> shot. And I was like, fuck, those two geese would have been so dead. Like, I was like, I, have, I apologize, guys. I did not, I was not aware that you weren't shooting two shot steel. I didn't know you guys were so packed. Yes. (laughs) Another time, too, I had guys show up with that same payload, and we were hunting, like, in the metro, like, with houses all around us. And I'm like, please, God, don't hit a window. (laughs) Because, like, that stuff will, like, arc, like, four or 500 yards. Windows can get dropped. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was like, please shoot carefully. Oh, man. But they crushed geese, too, that day. That was a great time. Mm. Okay, more questions. Rapid fire. Yeah, for sure. All right. No, no, so that's okay. That's the whole point of it, right? All right. Has has hunting culture changed? You know what I hate? I, I don't hate anything. I, I, I very much dislike it when I see people using the word sad. You know, it's just, it's sad what's happened these days with hunting. and It's sad. <laughs> like, oh, God, that gets at my craw. Like, go fishing, dude, if you're so sad. Like, wipe them tears off. And just bust out some fishing lures. Like, no, um, hunting culture has vastly improved, I think, since I was a pup. Since I I was a pup. I think it's gotten better. I think it's gotten more educated. I think it's gotten more um, ethical. I think it's gotten smarter. I think people are more, I don't know, everybody's kind of, anybody who's in waterfall has always been really passionate about it. That's a great culture of people that, like, it doesn't matter where you came from, or even sometimes like what language you speak. Like if you are addicted to locked wings, it's, it's a fun group of people to hang out with. I like that. Yeah. Addicted to locked wings. Yeah. We all kind of just got hooked and it doesn't matter, you know, rich dude, you see this a lot too, when you guide to rich dudes and, and blue collar dudes. And, uh, I mean, people of all races, like we guided a, a group from a black church one time and they were fun as hell, you know, like just, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Everybody is connected by kind of just our fascination and uh, obsession with like the next flock. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think uh, in general, the information podcasting, um, podcasting, social media, there's negatives to social media, obviously, but, um, and what are those negatives? Like in your mind, you know, um, I think everybody goes through a little bit of a learning curve, uh, on how to use social media when you first get on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and as just more and more and more and more and more people like got on social media, you know, we saw, we were able to witness a lot of people that, um, were going through that learning curve at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, and, and do you think that, do you think that like some of the social media thing gives hunters a bad name? Um, some, some of it, it's elevated a lot by us, you know, that, you know, like, eh, this is so terrible, you know, putting a duck in that position for your photo and we all need to be conscious, but that's stuff I was hearing about when I was a kid too, you know, back in like the late nineties, early two thousands, like be conscientious that people have an image of hunting that we're barbarians that are trying to kill shit cause it's fun. Yeah. And, uh. I don't know, like, if you look at, um, if you look at America, the United States, compared to countries that have a much, like, less of a hunting culture, they have a less, have, not having a hunting culture makes it so you don't have a conservation culture, you know, like, since we're all so obsessed with 
ducks and their well-being, that that makes a lot of passionate people about conservation, about like uh, habitat improvement, and that affects a lot of stuff. Um, I don't know if you know, there's like a study that came out like two or three years ago that said that we had lost like one third of the bird population over the last 50 years in this country. Mm. And uh, it, it equated to like 9 billion birds that don't exist anymore on the continent. Jeez. But look at ducks. <laughs> like their last 30 years, their yeah. population has been doing fantastic. And that wetland conservation work that Ducks Unlimited does, that helps frogs, that helps moths, you know, yeah. it helps everything. And you see, I think in cultures like that don't have as vigorous and uh, robust of a hunting culture, you get, um, you get, it's, it's much more difficult for those people to get interest, like to get the money allocated to do some of that work. And I think the environmental stuff, I mean, we really benefit the environment by having a hunting culture in this country. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 100%. Yeah. Lance Kramer was on last week and he was talking about how hunters, you know, through like buying, you know, federal stamps and stuff like we contribute more money to conservation than anybody else in the country by far. Yeah. And it's called the North American, North American conservation model. Or I, It's not, a, it's not on the tip of my tongue right now, but it's uh that, uh, Pittman Robertson tax that's been in yeah. place since like the twenties. Yeah. Like that's, and it's big too. Like it almost makes me think like, how the fuck did they get that passed? Cause it's a 10% tax on yeah. like ammo and guns. Like, and it's not just hunting shotguns i'm pretty sure it's like pistols assault rifles everything and i mean like gun sales have been going up every single year since obama oh yeah and so i mean that's just a flood of money like the amount of money that's that 10 there that 10 percent is being allocated towards conservation yeah i think the fishing stuff goes towards um fishing conservation and the hunting stuff goes which obviously towards... affects ducks as well absolutely yeah mm -hmm. so and we've got i think uh 435 national wildlife refuges around this country you can hunt on a ton of them a ton of them have awesome hunting yeah and uh like i was actually just down at the uh, wilkie unit at the Missis uh, mississippi valley national wildlife refuge just the other day just putzing around going for a walk with my girl like that it, this shit is cool it's mm. really cool. We've got so many layers of conservation <laughs> that bleed from our dollars that, uh, what was the question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the culture of hunting? No, I think it's improved, man. I think in general, we continue to get better as a, as a culture. Yeah. I would not say it's very sad. No, I wouldn't <laughs> say it's sad either. I just, it's such an interesting question because like you hear so many different like sides to that, right? Like talking to the older guys, like some of them are just like, you know, yeah, culture has changed because of social media uh you know these things are happening um and like we haven't heard anybody be like no it's like terrible you know but there are definitely people out there that like think that you know, like yeah, that today like so. hunting is so different like it's just worse and i, think I don't I've, know i like, think i've lived with social media too since i came into hunting because when i came yeah. into hunting there was no facebook it was like 99 2000 but there was forums yeah you know and so we always did kind of have a an online community, you could say. Yeah, what I what I was telling Lance last week was like the the bad picture taking, the being disrespectful with birds, like the douchey assholes who are like, "Oh, you didn't shoot enough ducks today. That's not a good duck hunt if you didn't limit out." Mm -hmm. You know, like those those types of people. They've always been there, but social media has really brought those people out like into the light. You know, it's not the guy down at the gas station who's like, "Huh." You just got done hunting. It's noon. You must not have shot that many. 
you know, but he's done by 8.30 in the morning, an hour after shooting, and he's just sitting there sipping coffee waiting for the other hunters to get there. Because I remember people like that out in western Minnesota where they just hang out at the gas station cafe deal. And, and talk they, to other boats that talk, rolled up. Talk to other people yeah. who were done hunting because everyone would go there for breakfast after they're done hunting, and they're just like, oh, how'd you do? Ah, that's shitty. Oh, no, no, we killed our limit. Yeah, my boat's out in the parking lot. Go check it out. You know, there, there's always been those people, but now a lot of more of those people have more of a voice. So do you think, Nick, that like because of social media, because you see like because like one of the questions we'll get asked, too, is like we put up, you know, whatever, five to six cinematic hunts a year. And okay. people are like, do you guys cr- like how do you guys crush them like every time? And it's like, we don't. Right. You know, so like the question, I guess, is like, do you think that it's harder, though, for like new hunters that now they're seeing hunting? But they're also mostly seeing like limits posted or like people that crushed them and then they go out and it just doesn't work like that and they get discouraged. Oh, yeah. I get those feelings of jealousy just like everybody else does because I do a lot of terrible, really bad idea hunts. And and I see on purpose, though, on purpose, kind of. But that I think maybe we could do a little bit better as a society or culture of just promoting expectation management. Yeah. So when I look at my phone and I'm looking at the um, I'm looking at um you know, the weather for tomorrow, that's already like, all right, it's not going to be very good. And I think if you are unhappy with a hunt, it's not that the hunt went wrong, but your expectations did. So if I have the expectation that we are going to crush tomorrow and we don't for whatever reason, it's a little disappointing. You know, like it didn't, I had an expectation and it didn't get matched. Um, if I think that I'm doing something real dumb here and uh, we'll see what happens. And I shoot a goose. I will be you, uh, elated, like ecstatic for shooting a goose, that decoy. Like, yes, you know, like yeah. <laughs> it's not like, uh, you know, just go out. If I have the expectation of I'm taking a young kid hunting and I want to see them get something, then, you know, I've set my expectations like to uh, my expectation for enjoyment. Like tomorrow, what would really make me enjoy the hunt is if we got this kid a goose. We got this kid to see one flock of like five to ten molts bomb in. Or if I get one bird on this crazy Hail Mary, whatever. Or, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You got you to gotta take the risk. But the risk always, yeah, it's, I don't know. Do you guys get that feeling too when you've been screwing around or like you go on a trip for like three days and it is not going well? Mm-hmm. And you're like, look at all these people back home just crushing. God damn it. Oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We've definitely been places and like been hunting and it just sucks. And we're like looking at the phone and somebody will have crushed a limit and shot a rivet band. And we're like, oh, man. I know. Yeah. What are we doing? It's painful. I don't know why, though. It's not like I'm yeah. not having fun doing my thing. So right. why should I let that? And that's part of the learning curve of social <laughs> media. Dealing with your jealousy. Because I don't think it's unnatural to be jealous that somebody else is finding success when you're of not. not. Of course it's not. I see. Right. I, Especially with the time you put into it, you know. I, I'm jealous of every good hunt I see on social media when I've been wasting my fucking time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right? And I'm like, oh, I wish I was there. Or that person. I know that person. Bet they would have invited me if I was yeah. home or something, you know. Like, um, but just trying to—it's everybody gets jealous. Just how are you going to react to that jealousy? Yeah, some of us have very different reactions to it. I know for sure. I try to just be cool about it. I don't know. I, I'm a 
I'm a positive thinking guy mostly, but don't get me wrong. I mean, when I was going through my learning curve on social media, you know, I'd see a big old pile of pictures. Sometimes I'd be like, yeah, well, get him to do and like say something stupid. Like, yeah, why would I say that, man? Just stupid jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you guys didn't cover those blinds up really well on that awesome hunt. It looks like you had. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could have probably shot more if you would have done the last. Yeah. Aww. And that's just me projecting my jealousy. Yeah. Jealousy. Yeah. I don't know. That's a weird question. All right, Nick. Makes me you... think about myself. Yeah, bro. Do some self-reflection. That's good. Next question. Next question. I don't like thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, dude, tell us a crazy hunting story. Like, I, okay, before we go into this, we're like you, you were telling me that you had a crazy hunt, your last hunt of the year. My last hunt of the year. So I uh, was buckled down kind of in this one field because I didn't want to pick my decoys up. Been there. And, uh, <laughs> 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 and uh, so I, I texted the farmer and I was like, is there any way I can lease this field from you for the remainder of the hunt? I'm like, there's like 12 days left in the season. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't want to pick up right now. Like, what do you want? So we worked out a deal. So I had this lease for the last final 12 days and I did not want to pick up my decoys. It was right, um, right along a river system, not a great area. I've seen that area get a lot of birds, but it, it got some traffic and, uh, I left some toller decoys out there. So that was cool. And, uh, I, I could see some footprints in it when I came back. So I'm all right, this place is getting some spots, but it never resulted in a good hunt. And I had my white box out there and stuff. But the final day of the season, it was January 6th um, in the south zone. And uh, so I had my, my, it was a big, big field up along the river. And uh, I had my spread just kind of set up on the top, like the most visible, like plateau-y type area. There's so snow I, at this point, right? Yeah, there's snow, quite a bit of snow. We had a couple blizzards there before the end of the year. And I was driving in. I even invited a couple people, and they're like, no. And I'm talking to my dad on the drive down there. And I'm like, Dad, I'm just – it was cold cold and clear. It was stupid. I'm like, Dad, I'm just wasting my time doing this. And he's just like, can you believe what's happening at the Capitol? And I was like, Dad, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to just sit in my truck next to my decoys and just shoot out the window. I even looked it up in the Minnesota regs. If you can shoot out of your car, like, while in the field, you can't. So then – <laughs> I was like, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to park next to my decoy spread and put the gun on the, on the tire. I'm going to sit there with the heat going. And then, you know, I'm going to watch the sun go down on this 2020-2021 season for Minnesota. I'm going to pick up my spread and I'm going to call it a good year, you know, whatever. And then I was driving into the field and I, was, I had to go through like, I had to drive quite a ways into this field. So I'm driving past... Um, these little woods, and this is right next to the river, so there's a bunch of white-tailed deer. I'd seen deer all over it every time I'd walked in there or whatever. Yeah. And um, I'm driving in, and I look to my left, and there's this small little patch of woods out in the field on the fence line. And I'm like, damn, look at that. Those deer scraped the fuck out of that corn. That's crazy. Because even I went there the day after a blizzard, and where I parked my truck, like... The blizzard ended at like midnight and I parked my truck at like 7 a.m. The deer had scraped up so much corn. I was like, holy shit, these, wow. du these dudes did some work. So I drove past it. I looked left. I'm like, wow, that's pretty crazy. Those deer really dig for corn. Do-do-do-do. I drive up to where I was going to set up on my little <laughs> plateau and shoot no geese and put the gun on my truck tire. And um, <laughs> I looked down on that little spot. I'm like, God damn, that's just so scraped. I'm like, you know, it's not in the dumbest spot in this field either. 
maybe it would even attract birds because it's illegal to scrape snow. Right. Yeah, and expose grain, but it's natural. So I drive down there, and I, I put it in my truck and park, and I'm putting on some of my gear, and it's already kind of getting late. And I open the truck door, and I look down, and it's fucking solid goose prints, not deer prints. And I was like, I'm, I'm with Jesus Christ, like, what happened here? Like, no geese have been using this field. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I've got eyes on the roost. I've getting, I was getting, like, two or three reports of roost counts every day. Yeah. And the roost was down to, like, 80 to 110 birds, like, so late in the season. And then I was like, oh, my fucking God, like... Those 80 to 110 birds are coming right to where I'm parked my truck. Yeah. Like, oh, goo 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 Like, what do I do? Oh, shit. And I was like, like, just, it was a comedy show. Like, I'm like, where do I put decoys? I don't know. Like, <laughs> how many do I put out? Should I put out five? I ended up putting out like 25 <clears throat> DSDs. And I was like, where am I going to put my blind? I was like, I'm going to just hide behind an evergreen tree. I'm like, nah. There's like a perfect perch for my white box. Like, in this uh, little patch of woods, there's just like a box cut out. In it, I was in a snow like pedestal. I was like, "That's where I'm going." So, oh, like, yeah, I like set that up real quick, and I went to go park my truck. And then I'm already, and then I'm driving all over this field. I'm like, "Where am I going to park my truck?" Like, there's nowhere good to park. And I'm like, "I'm parking it right here, right here, right now." And I just went around the corner of that little patch. I was literally like 35 yards away from the um, spread, and then I started walking to the decoys and there's two geese in it. I was like, Oh my gosh. Dude. I was like, something, something crazy is going to happen. Something crazy is going to happen. Like three people told me, nah, I ain't going on that hunt today, dude. That's pretty dumb. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's the last day. Come on. We got it. And they're like, no, you're dumb. I'm not going on another one of your Nick J fucking stupid <laughs> box hunts ever again. And, uh, and then I was sitting there like just kind of quivering with excitement. I heard like, no, and I looked up, and there was 70 of them just fucking dumping. From, oh, my God. It's like, oh, God, I covered up in the box. And this was the day after I sent my Vortexes in to get um, my war a warranty because I had a bad – my right barrel on the Vortexes were bad. I'm like, I'm going to get those fixed. The season's over. So now I have no binoculars, and they just land about 60 yards away. And that box is super vulnerable for the windows. Like, anytime I poke my eyes out, geese were like, who was that? Like yeah. they, they kept their <laughs> eyes in those windows. And so like they landed and I went down and like in the blind, I'm like, just chill, dude, just be chill. And I peeked back out and they were 15 yards away. Like they, Oh my God. They like sprinted oh in my to God. the spread. And I was like, Oh God. And then like three more flocks, um, three more flocks landed. And I had about the 110 or 120 birds that were on the roost were now like all within about, like 25 yards of me, 30 yards of me. The closest one being like 15, you know. They're yeah. all just right in that snow scrape, and they're making the coolest noises. Just grunts, coughs, snarls, hisses, whistles. They're fighting with each other. They're like picking corn out of the snow and then beating the shit out of each other. i seen like three goose brawls, like four geese on another goose kicking its ass. Oh my yes. gosh. And it, I just, I was with these geese. Like it was a cold, clear day. So like what, by the time they got there, I had like 25 minutes left. So I, I'm looking for bands like, and I can't see any, like I, I need my binoculars. I'm just like every three seconds, like vortex, where's my binocs. And mm -hmm. then like, it's getting down there. Like I can see the sun going down behind the hill. And I look at the phone. I'm like, I got like, one minute left, and I mean, 
if I don't see a band, I don't think I'm going to shoot. Like, fuck it. Like, this was a really fun experience. I'm just going to sit here with them. And then I go, oh, my God, what was on that goose's leg? And it took, like, two steps and sat down. I was like, um, I did not. That's not confirmed. That is not a confirmed band right there. I mean, it's like 29, 28, 27. I'm like, I lifted the lid up and I put the gun up on them. And I, in that process, I was like, um, which one was it? And at the same time, they all popped up and flew and then sat back down. They did that whole like jump 10, yeah, yeah. 10 feet in the air and be like, there was a guy in that box. I knew it. <laughs> and then I was like, as one of them five, uh, boom, I should have shot three of them, like three of those five. And I ran out there, picked one up, no band, ran out there, picked one up, no band. And there's one of them going across, the, like making its way towards the woods. Like one of them I had just uh, clipped. And I started running at it, and I was like, wait a second, my truck is right here. So I go over to my... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, halfway, like, oh, no, I'll just get in my truck. I just bahad over to that fucker, picked him up, banned. Oh, my like, gosh, dude. It was banned, oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, and then that right then and there, I was like... Boop, buzzer went off, alarm went off, end of uh, legal shooting time. And I was like, yeah. I was like, tears rolling down my cheeks and freezing. I was like, oh my God, it was all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. That was my story of the last day of the season. That's dope. And I called my dad to tell him right away. And he was like, can you believe what's happening at the Capitol? I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> what, uh, where was he from? It was from um, the Horican Marsh from nice. the year prior. Here's a weird thing about those geese, too. Um, that's an EPP flock, isn't it? Um, or is no, that interior MVP? That would be an MVP bird. Well, it was. It's it's a temperate breeder, is what it was, because it was banded in June. So, and it, I think it was born that year. So it was a from a shot at twenty twenty. I mean, it was just six days into twenty twenty one, and uh, it had been born in twenty nineteen. So it was would technically be a molt. So it was probably with a its parents or something. And it had been, ba- which leads me to believe there's probably more bands in that fucking flock. Yeah. If I would have had my binoculars, I probably could have picked a couple off. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> what was weird is those geese were so aggressive. And, I, you know, you, you always hear people talking and scientists like, you know, there's, um, you know, geese, uh, when it's so cold, they got to fight for the calories and blah, blah, blah. So I brought those three geese home and I cleaned them. They were the fattest fucking geese I had, like, ever seen in my life. Like, these geese could have gone a month without eating, and there's, like, four goose on one brawls over, like, set yeah. six corn- kernels of corn. And I, I was talking to Raquel about that, my wife, and I was like, why would they be so aggressive? These things are well-fed. Like, they're, yeah. these are very healthy. Like, we're talking, like, a half inch of fat on these, and one of them was, a, uh, was an MVP or an EPP. It was, like, a little mid-sized goose with a dark chest, white neck ring. And him too, fatter than shit, half half inch. And I go, why do you think they're fighting over that corn like that? And she goes, they want to. They're they're the fat ones. I'm like, makes sense. Kind of the alphas. Like I don't know. Like maybe they're just the fat kids. Yeah. Yeah. Just like fighting over everything because they want it. Like the greedy ones or something. But dude, just for everyone at home, can you explain the difference between like MVP and EPP? So along the along the Hudson Bay. Going to the James Bay, they've got... In Canada. In Canada. This would be northern Manitoba and then east to Ontario. Um, They've got um, individual flocks of geese, which technically... 
there's no genetic difference between any of these geese. Yeah. It was kind of made. Yeah. Yeah. Where they breed. Where they breed. Yeah. And they're all breeding along the Hudson and the James Bay. So in the Mississippi Flyway, we've got three of those flocks. And there's the EPPs, which are super famous in Minnesota because they traditionally went to Lacaparle. So they're on like the far north of the subarctic region before you get up above the Arctic Circle. They're on the far western side of Hudson Bay and EPPs. Over by Churchill. EPP stands for Eastern Prairie Pothole. Eastern Prairie Population. Oh. Yep. And then the MVPs are the Mississippi Valley Population, which are, you come down the Hudson Bay, and it's just like an indistinguishable line of geese, then they just call these ones the MVPs. And then in the Mississippi Flyway, we also have the South James Bay Population, which they're shooting them, them mostly over in like Illinois, Ohio. Like the ones we get are EPPs and some MVPs. A lot of MVPs just cross the, uh, they, they just fly south, cross the uh, Great Lakes, they end up in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, that's the ones that we got here in the Mississippi Flyway. You go <clears throat> north of the Arctic Circle, and they used to have those into the shortgrass prairie and the longgrass prairie cacklers, but now they just call those the mid-continent cackling population. Anything breeding above the Arctic Circle will fall into the mid-continent cack. Wow. That got so technical. Yep, mid-con cacks. Um, because they, they technically are, uh, I think they make regulations for those based in the Mississippi and the Central Flyway. Because they kind of cut through the Mississippi Flyway and they all go down to the Oklahoma-Texas Panhandle. And some all the way to like Southern Texas and Mexico to winter. Yeah. So when Stan Guzzi was on, he was talking about you know, especially with like ducks, right? Like ducks aren't migrating like they used to. And so they're really just at this point, like he was talking about a lot of ducks just don't get really much further south than like Missouri or Arkansas. And that's why like people in Louisiana are just shooting less and less birds. I mean, what do you think about that? Um, I think you have to be careful when you use the word ducks because ducks are migrating exactly like they have for forever. Just mallards aren't. So it's kind of a singular duck. And a duck is, I mean, it's mallards that people want to shoot. Right. It's mallards that people are interested in and bitching about all the flooded corn, blah, 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 blah. But um, I but, saw some... Go, or, no, I mean, what do you... What, I mean, that's true though, right? Like, so they're not migrating like they used to. Like, they don't, they don't get as far south as they used to. You know, like in your, from what your data experience research shows you, that's all true. It is true, yeah. And there's a study that just came got released this year in 2021 that took 50 years of the Christmas bird count and um, and a, a bunch of other sources of bird surveys and um, compiled it and and did come up with a a rationale that birds were migrating um, less far south than they used to. But I would say, like in terms of calendar migrations and um, really historic uh, locations of uh, wintering areas have not changed very much at all. Really, even for mallards. Um, a little bit for mallards. And people say, like, here's what I, I will disagree with. Whenever you hear somebody say, they stay so close to the breeding ground so they can stake their territory because that's improved nesting success. Okay, here's the next breath. 2020, blue-winged teals showed up in June with eggs falling out of them in North and South Dakota and Minnesota and had the best hatch ever. Well, based on this logic that you need to be there early to be successful nesters, 
And the blue-winged teals only show up in June, like, at the very last moment to poop some eggs out. <laughs> Shouldn't they have horrible hatches every year, right? Yeah. And and I don't think mallards stay close to the breeding grounds because they're good, they, they, they want to stake territory. I think they stay close to the breeding grounds because they fucking suck at nesting. Mallards, they call them um, adaptive. They're so adaptive. There's one in my child's playground. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> <laughs> like it, there's, there's one in the sandbox how come pintails got this bad rap for fucking going up to the wheat fields in saskatchewan and dropping eggs but like there's one in the flower pot of my health club but we call these things adaptive <laughs> and like today today i saw three hens with drake suitors okay you guys have seen baby ducks out by now right mm-hmm. how many re-ness is this bitch on you know, like, <laughs> like they, oh God. they, they re-nest all the way to July. Mallards do normally. They're just bad at it. They're just bad at breeding. They're bad at breeding. That's why they have to stay so close to the winter or to the breeding grounds because they might take three, four cracks at it because they poop some eggs out in a parking lot, <laughs> fucking bush. You know, <laughs> and then the hen's like, "Whoops, I'm only eight. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I oh th- my god! But you, you hear guys in Illinois saying, "Um, God, we just don't get the mallards anymore." All right, well, I'm looking at a fucking aerial survey right now that said there was two million in your state for a month. Where so was that? You're wrong. It's a uh, there's a there's a weekly survey, aerial survey done in Illinois every week. You can look at it. They fly the rivers and they take pictures and you can look at the pictures. <laughs> yeah, and, they, and the guy writes a blog, a really good blog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think, what do you guys think about nocturnal feeding? Because it's real. But I don't know if it's human induced or. I think it's human induced. Yeah. If it's some, what if Mallory's just did that a long time ago, you know? What, it's like a cycle or what? No, just mallards just did it because that's what mallards do for the last 200,000 years. Well, think about it. 100 years ago, what were they eating before mass agriculture? Pond shit. And you think they're doing it at night? Probably they slept there. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. I don't think so. I mean, I read a study that ducks have their eyes open underwater when they're feeding. Yeah, they do. They got the nictitating membrane, I think it's called. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're insane for knowing that, <laughs> and that's why you're on this podcast. For sure. <laughs> I think that. But, like, I can see it in a full moon, for sure. But, like, in, you know, 100 years ago, they didn't have to feed at night. So, I, I went on a full moon tear, too, about, because I've never seen geese feed at night. Never. I've seen geese stay out late, and then I've seen geese also go out late and never return which I assume they migrated after they fed or never fed and just migrated. But I've never like drove out into a field at 3 a.m. to beat somebody out there and there's geese there. Like I've never seen that in my life. Mm-mm. So I looked it up. I found a study from Europe about on barnacle geese that they were feeding on full moons, clouds, no clouds. And the activity like would ramp up like two days before the full moon and ramp down two days after. And it was consistent. And the authors of the study figured that, um, what they were doing, I mean, rain, snow, sleet, anything, they're feeding on full moons. So they figured they were going out and foraging on insects that had a life cycle tied to the moon phase. Hmm. Yeah. And I was like, that makes total sense to me. Like, there's an insect that's only there on full moons, and that's probably why I've never seen midnight feeding or full moon feeding, because that insect is in Europe, and that insect's not here. But then also that's a barnacle goose versus right. a Canada. Huh? 
versus a Canada goose. Right. A barnacle is just a, a cackling goose, basically. It's a black cackling goose. That yeah, but they breed in different areas. They yeah. eat different shit. You yeah. Know. It's a different goose. Yeah. It's not it, a different... But it also, the study was inconclusive. They're just like, hey, we think... We think they might probably be eating insects tied to moon phase, question mark? We don't know why the fuck they're doing it. Sure. Yeah. But they were doing it. <clears throat> That's interesting. It is kind of interesting. Mysterious. So you do think... You don't think that necessarily birds feeding at night, like nocturnal feeding is tied to humans? I don't know. I think it probably is. And um, also... There's a, too many factors to really make just like a blanket statement about that either. Because there, are, there are so many factors when it comes right. to waterfall, dude. Because not only people people say this is what I always hear. I walked out into my flooded corn and I flushed out five thousand ducks, so they were feeding there at night, or maybe they were sleeping because corn has fucking top cover from predators. It's also awesome sleeping habitat. So is the refuge that they're going to all day, like doing like some moist soil management? A lot of refuges do duck feeding programs. So maybe they're, maybe they're straight up sleeping there in some situations were and then you, going to the refuge to eat all day. Were you there in western Minnesota with me when we got there really, really early to the flooded corn spot? A natural flooded corn spot. Mm-mm. I know my buddy Dylan Efforts was with me, mm-hmm. and one other guy was with me. I could have swore that was you. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was. We parked. We parked a <laughs> mile away. You would remember this hunt. It was crazy. We just couldn't kill him. There were so many ducks there, but our hide was so bad, and the guys who found it, like, we both found it, but he's like, yeah, we got permission, so if you're planning on hunting it, just hunt with us. And uh, he was kind of being a little oopsie. He's just like, nope, I found it. This is how we're going to do it. And I was like, shit. You know, yeah, whatever. We should just stand in the corn instead of putting layouts that are terribly brushed up against the water in the flooded corn. And all the birds want to land where I want to stand. So what are you doing? But anyway, um, we get there at like 3.30 in the morning. He he said he wanted to get there at that time to lug all the decoys in and shit. And we parked, I don't know, like a mile and a half away. And you could hear from the trucks at 3.30 in the morning. You could hear them so loud feeding, That's cool. feeding hard. That's cool. At 3.30 in the morning, and it wasn't a full moon. So I'm just like, whoa. I mean, they're, meh, meh, meh. like, you could hear them from a ways away. It was like, damn. Yeah. We got closer. We kicked out a bunch, but they were still there at shooting light, like most of them were, and they were plenty awake. I mean, they're ducks, but I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. I think that, that probably people are right sometimes. <laughs> Like us, <laughs> you know, like, and we're probably wrong on some of that stuff too. Did I say I'm wrong? Probably about like eighty percent of the time. <laughs> I know. I I like to think that out of all the theories that we come up with for this, why this might happen, or why might the why this might happen, like we could sit down and write down a thousand, and I would be surprised if one was correct. <laughs> you right. know, like I, I like to say too. Uh, the more I learn about ducks and geese, the more I realize I don't know shit. About yep. ducks and geese. <laughs> yeah. Dude, tell me about your white box. So the white box was uh, sent to me <laughs> uh, because I was doing a lay just laying on a board in a blizzard. And uh, I put it on social media. I actually missed a hybrid that day because my gun got so filled up with ice, I couldn't click the safety off. Damn. And uh, I was trophy hunting, missed a hybrid. And then he goes, some guy messages me and says, hey, why aren't you... Uh, why don't you just hide in a foam box? And then I said, like, that's all he sent me. I was like, 
what do you, what do you mean? What's up, dude? I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> and then yeah. he um he goes a giant foam box like a like a cooler except for man, a man size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like thought about it. I was like, God damn! Like foam really does match the color of snow really 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 good yeah and that would be way more comfortable and uh, then i don't have to deal with these fucking wet layouts or buying snow covers every three years because they're expensive as shit and um i'm sold so i like called him or i like messaged him back like hey man i I can't believe i didn't know about a white box before where do i buy one and he's like you have to build it fuck and i was already like page three deep like googling giant white foam box like thinking i could go to the yeah. home depot and buy like a nine foot long box of yeah. foam. but yeah. no I, I built it um he sent me an article from a 1993 wildfowl magazine it was like a blind boats and blinds contest winner it was some og guides in washington and um so basically just get those panels of foam yeah over at the home depot he cut like archer's windows out of it which the geese saw me through mine because I cut them backwards like a dumbass. But um, like we just have a narrow slit and it opens up as you go into the box for your windows. And then like, so you've got two end caps, two lids, and a front and a back out of, yeah. out of just foam panels. And it's four inch foam. And uh, so I was like, all right, I'll try that. And I for sure thought wind was going to blow it down. But the, with the four inches, it like was heavy enough to kind of withstand wind and it kicked major ass. Like, were you able to put a heater in it? Yes, I melted a little bit, a <clears throat> little bit of the insides of it. But mm-hmm. now I'd like to uh, expand on that and like maybe just get thinner foam because like it's four inches. So I stack up two sides, two lid. Uh, well, the lids go in as one layer. So I, it's like thirty-two inches of foam, which like that's the half of my back of my yeah. truck. Like it's actually thicker than a snicker. So um. I was thinking about just like getting some like some paneling of some kind just to add weight to it. I mean, like I got some, I got I got part of it dirty. I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do about that? Scrapey, scrapey, scrapey. I just scraped off a little bit, like back to white. You know, it's totally like maintenance free. It's super cheap. Um, it's easy to build. Uh, I bought a hot knife, like to carve the windows out of it and stuff. And uh, nice. the white box really was a game changer for uh, for me. I, I I'm not, and you can just. If you want to do more dudes, like you just add front and back panels. You still only need two end caps. Yeah. But you're just building. You can do 20 of them. And that dude actually sent me a video where they did like a 20 person white box hide. Yeah. On a cackler hunt out west. And they just fucking waylaid like a flock of 100 that had landed in the snow. I was like, oh my God. Dude, how do you, so how do you put I can't the panels? knife these windows together. How do you, uh, <laughs> how do you panel? How do you put the panels together? Just uh, what I did was I found these like wooden dowels. I found these rebar stakes that even had like a finger loop in them. But if I were to do it again, I would just get like Buffy the Vampire Slayer stakes, like little skinny ones, and just jab them in wherever I need them, to be honest. Like I had like the holes that ran through like three on each side. Like so I had three on on the end panel. So it'd be like boom, 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 six on one side, boom, 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 six on the other. And then I uh, glued on some uh, niodionesium magnets. So, like, when I put the lid on, it was like, snap. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That is very cool. And then... Um, How big is it? Mine's just a two-person for now. So, what is that? I mean, dimension-wise. Four by eight panels. Uh, so, it stands four feet tall. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, 
Eight, eight feet wide. Eight feet long. Yeah. So you got a little bit of little bit of room in there for two dudes. Sure. It's a little gay, but no. I mean, because <laughs> twenty twenty one, man. I'm not judging. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I hunted out of it mostly by myself. But here's the thing. I've been. Here's the thing that tripped me out. So this article was written in Wildfowl Magazine, 1993. The last final sentence of it said, um, it said, sometimes the guides have even found success using this blind in early season in short winter wheat sprouts. And I was like, what? Wait a second. What the fuck? Like, and that just, that last sentence just tripped me up for a second. I'm like, wait a second. Why not? And then I was like, oh shit. Like, I mean, it, they wouldn't write it unless it was true. I mean, but this is 1993. But goddamn. So, I mean, like, when we, <laughs> when, we, when we hunt and we do, like, something like a grass hide, I get real nerdy on my grass hides. I go all redneck florist on it. I want it to look pretty. You know, I want it to look like redneck a natural. florist. Oh, my God. <laughs> I amazing. want it to look pretty. I want it to look like a real natural piece of grass in a field, not just something that fucking somebody, like, cut down a ditch and piled it up in a pile. I want it to look like a piece of grass that's supposed to be there. Geese see you. They see you from, like, a thousand yards away. They're like, oh, look, there's geese over there. We can hear them. And uh, there's sitting next to a weird piece of grass. You're not invisible. You're not hiding, you know? So there's two ways to hide. You can be invisible or you can be non-threatening. So the piece of grass obviously is extraordinarily visible, but it's not threatening. Same concept with the white box. So I, I call it like, I call that concept the shoe on the carpet. So if you were you've to walk- talked about it on the Yeah, podcast, you have, yep. On this podcast? Yeah. All right, yeah. So I'm just, it's just We know shoe. you've been on a lot of podcasts, but- Yeah. Well, I've got like 45 of my own now. I don't know what I'm- I know, doing. what's that called? Um, that's called, it's Dale Luganbill's show- and it's called Full Scale Outdoors, and he talks about a bunch of boring shit like fishing. But on Wednesdays, <laughs> on Wednesdays is the Waterfall Wednesday podcast where mm. we talk about interesting stuff like birds. Nick, I know that you already know about it. We were talking about it at the beginning of the show, but this podcast is sponsored by Camo Retro, where you it's can cool. buy and sell outdoor goods at CamoRetro.com. Now, Nick, mm -hmm. what have you bought from Camo Retro? Because we know that you like the old vintage... I'm old, gear, right? I'm old, yeah. yeah. You're like 48. I got a Gore-Tex hat on there with some really cool old uh, like military camo. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. Super cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, So and it's Gore-Tex. They send us these awesome coasters because they know that we like to drink beer here on the podcast and whatever. Yep. Sent us some nice stickers and all that jazz, but I recently just bought a, uh, a nice neon blue medium shirt that looks like I'm wearing a turtleneck. I love from that. like 1983. Can I see it? Yeah, I have it upstairs, uh, and it has a bunch of mallards <laughs> dropping into like a oh marsh. Oh my god! <laughs> and then, uh, and then I got a like two pintails on a on an old rope hat. I it's, like rope hat. It's sick. No, no, no. Dude. Is it the Ducks Unlimited one? Yeah. Oh my god, dude! Is it Greenbill? I can't remember. It oh, hasn't I used come to. Yet. I dude, I wore that hat from 97 to 99, man. <laughs> dude, <laughs> I saw it on camera retro too, and I was like, I can't be on the site. I can't be on the site. Dude, you just end up spending too much money. Dude, I've got pictures of me with like little chubby cheeks, glasses on my face, like missing <laughs> a tooth in that pin, the two pintail rope hat. Camo retro. Camo huh? It's dope. Yeah. No, here's the thing. Camo retro is a new wave. It's so cool. Get on it, dude. I yeah, yeah, we have stay a off of Nick, it, actually. Nick, we have If a you promo like code. money, don't go on that website. Nick, we have a promo code. That's Midwest true. Flyway 10 to get 10% off. I got so excited I bought hey! it without it. 
Hey, now. I'm so excited. I know that. All right. You're going to let me finish this, okay? I'll go smoke a cigarette. No. We got Midwest Fly. <laughs> we got Midwest Flyway 10 for 10% off the Camo Retro Collection where he's got all the cool hats on there. So go and check that out. Dude, Put there's in that shooting code. vests. Yeah. There's other cool stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Did you get connected to the internet now? Dude, Windows 10 is kind of real bad. Yeah, I think there's like Windows 20 now. So did you yeah. get connected to the internet, Nick? No, I didn't. I'm looking at it. It says Wi-Fi connected secured. Uh, I don't know why I would say that. I must be on it. All right, so here's a, here's a really quick question. Mm-hmm. Okay, that white box. I got it. Why couldn't you just like cover that in reeds or grass? You totally could cover that in like AstroTurf, right? Yeah. But why would you if you don't have to? I, yeah, I <laughs> mean, just yeah. Cost. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, could you that's like lugging around all that astro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you, you could like glue it, pop, 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 staple it on there, or whatever. Yeah, you could have like a grass one. You, you totally could, have, could. Totally could. You could have a corn one. And, and you could probably go way thinner on the, but you go thinner on the foam, it's going to be more fragile. Yeah, but if you add grass and stuff on the then outside. Then it would have weight. Yep, it would have the weight. And you could put like some hog panel or I'm thinking like that plastic X fences, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, dude, because what I was thinking is Lattice. like. Lattice. Thank you. You know, you know, like the the old like camo netting that people used to use. Dude, I use that on every fucking hunt. Well, <laughs> dude, here's the thing though, right? Like why couldn't Except you the just. the white box hunts. Why couldn't you just wrap a white box in that and then stuff grass into that netting? Oh, dude, you don't know the power of the military. The military net, dude. You know what I'm saying, though? Oh, 100%, man. Like, you could totally have that be, uh, like, the replacement for an A-frame. Dude, I got a I got a hot tip for you guys on some grass. Hot, tell us. A hot tip. I don't know if I really want to online. Here, just tell the whole world about how amazing Hobby <laughs> Lobby is. Well, then don't tell them. Hobby Lobby. Mm. Hobby Lobby, dude. Hobby fucking Lobby. Unbelievable. <laughs> Nick, what is... Okay, last year was your crazy thing was this white box... What's your crazy idea this year? I think I'm doing white box from start to finish. White box really? in September. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so tempted. With no too. grass on it. Dude, I'll tell you what thing I'm, I'm going to not do is a lot of the crazy stuff from last year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's, it's just inspiration has to hit and, and then you just go with it. Um, I'm going to do a lot of unsuccessful hunts. I know that much. Yeah. And I'm going to learn a lot and I'm going to... I'm going to explore. One thing I really enjoyed doing was exploring all this public land that's out there and just I'm going to keep I'm going to keep on my no scouting, trying to make a successful hunt out of that and figure out how to make that happen outside of molt migrations. Yeah, you can do that on molt on molts, but not really. I haven't found much success doing that otherwise, but I'm getting really good at using data and I'm getting really good at I'm getting really familiar with how to locate public lands beyond Onyx Maps. Yeah. Yeah, Onyx Maps is uh, is awesome. But there's a lot more out in there in the world. Definitely. That, that Onyx Maps does not have covered. So it's just around my hometown. So I'm going to try to do a lot more hunting around the cities, a lot more, uh, I don't know if I want to say, like, s- small spreads, because that really did, but I'll be doing small spreads. Small spreads. I'll be doing small spreads. Yep. I'll be doing crazy shit. I'll be... Wrenching on my goose call. I'll be making geese really confused. Like, why would I go there? And, uh, yeah. Any other, like, rapid fire questions, though? Dude, I don't think so. I mean, rapid fire turned into long discussion, and that's a good thing. That's kind of what you want. If it's interesting questions and interesting answers, then we can talk about forever. I know, man. I really could talk about birds, like, 
for a million years. I, I don't know, man. Like <laughs> I got I got one thing for you. Um, got some buddies down in Nebraska, and he said he's never seen so many malts. Right now, this year, yeah. But normally behind his house, he has twenty breeding families behind him. Mm-hmm. Right now, he only has five, mm-hmm. and he thinks that with all the malts, that it is uh, that we had a bad hatch. And I disagree, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on it because if we have a lot of molts, it just means that they're non-breeding pairs. They're yep. under three years old. Or failed nesters. or Because he's attributing it to failed nesters. Well, failed nesters do molt migrate. But not only do failed nesters migrate, successful nesters molt migrate after they dump their kids on adoptive parents. Interesting. Yeah, so you ever see, like, Four geese swimming around with 37 little baby geese? Yes. You're like, <coughs> geese don't lay that many eggs, do Dude, they? Dude, that happened no. the other day. No, they don't lay that many eggs. Geese are awesome at sloughing off their kids so they can go to Canada. Dude, me and Joey were legit golfing, and we saw like 12, 12 little goslings walking around with these geese, and Joey's like, hold up a minute. We like stopped the golf nice. cart, and Joey's like, they have five with them? And I'm like, no. And there's just like more and more and more emerging from the grass. And it's like 12 of them. Right. And they have four to six eggs, I think, is the average. The most is like eight. I think so. It's pretty consistent, too. Like four to six. Riley! (laughs) I haven't seen you, girl. Come here. I'm allergic to dogs, but I'm going to pet you anyways. Come lick my face. Oh, my God. Do you remember? All right. Here's a great hunting story. Just before we go, the time that we went and guided... uh, the uh, youth hunting club uh, no. charity winners. Oh God! Out in Western Minnesota, <laughs> we left Riley in the car because these guys <laughs> brought their own dogs. Sure. And Joey was just fucking livid. <laughs> and then I go and I had brought three packages of jalapeno and maple goose sausages. So each package is like two pounds, six, seven. It was pounds. Fi- it was five pounds total. Like five pounds total <laughs> of goose sausages. So we didn't have to like. We had snacks and didn't have to go out for dinner. I'd, and then I go back to the... It's like, Joey, do you want a spinner? And he's like, yes, bring me a spinner. It's in my truck somewhere, blah, blah, blah. And I go back to the truck and I open it and I'm like, that's weird. I don't remember leaving tiny shreds of busher paper in my seat. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like this dog. Riley's not very big. She ate 10% of her body weight in jalapeno <laughs> goose sausages. And I was called Joey. I was like, Joey, your dog is going to explode with diarrhea. <laughs> I don't know when this rocket ship's going off, but there's a T minus right now. <laughs> there's a T minus something. And she's like, get her water, bro. She just ate five pounds of jalapeno goose sauce. Like, oh my God. She'll be fine. I was like, no, she won't dude. I don't And she and Joey's like, no, 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 she'll be fine. She'll be fine. And then so I closed the door on Riley. Like, I wonder, I wonder what the window splat is going to look like. You know, and dude, she go, didn't No, She's fine. She didn't have any diarrhea the entire weekend. Oh my god! She like laid down like when remember we went to that bar because we had to now we had to buy food. (laughs) 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 We went to that bar and then like we let her out and she just like walked on the sidewalk and she laid down in the grass like and then was like farted once like that was it. She's fine. <laughs> I Dude. Like, I was like, what would happen to me? I'm like That's 140 pounds. What happened to me if I ate 14 pounds of fucking jalapeno goose sausage? Definitely <laughs> diarrhea. Probably in seven minutes flat. <laughs> Riley Dude. just type, just digests all of it. And ever Let since me- that day, I've had mad respect for Riley. <laughs> also, since I know she murders the fuck out of squirrels. 
Dude, murders him. <laughs> She's a savage dog, um, bro. Here's the great part about that guiding story. Um, Nick's like, yeah, dude, we're going to be guiding. I was like, should I bring... <laughs> we're going to be water hunting? He goes, yeah. So then I'm like, okay, I'll bring Riley. She'll kill it. And we'll impress the clients. We'll get awesome tips. So not only am I guiding these clients by myself... Nick did not help me <laughs> what so fucking ever. Bill Urseth took me for a trip around the property. It was so much so much fun. He was like, yeah, we'll just look at how many birds are in the area. And you guys are probably just jerking each other off, you fuckers. And here I am guiding three old men and Bill's wife in a canoe. I had to pull her in a canoe. And I have to make her, like, keep her from, like, dumping out of the side of the canoe with, like, five grand in camera equipment. Oh, my God. And then they're like... Yeah, this is my dog's first duck hunt. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, dude. I could hear them like yelling at the dog. I'm like, I bet Joey is losing his fucking mind right now. Well, we were set up pretty close to you. Dude, they limited out at like 1 p.m. And I was like, how many fucking shots? There's ducks everywhere. There's fucking ducks everywhere. Like, yeah. it's no, so there, we thousands, saw over 35,000 Thousands ducks of ducks. Yeah. And I was just constant shooting. I'm like, dude, how many? Joey is going to go to prison, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they were For letting these back. guys. And they're like, Joey calls me like, they just shot their limit. And I was like, dude. How many fucking shells did these guys bring? They, they literally had like six to eight boxes each with them oh, on yeah. a duck hunt, and they used them. They didn't use all eight. I think, they I think total them. it was like three boxes a person. Oh my god! It was about three boxes a person. Seventy-five so nine, rounds for six ducks. So yeah, decoying. So nine boxes of shells, and they were decoying because. I had way less decoys than what I came in with. <laughs> what do you mean? They were crushing decoys, dude. They sank. <laughs> I didn't know that. Dude, they crushed like eight of my decoys. But you got paid well, didn't you? No. Oh, yeah, dude. I got paid real well. <laughs> it was a volunteer thing. He stole my dog blind, dude, too. But before, yes. Um, you did? Yes, dude. Dude, remember when I told you? I was like, hey, man, this is a volunteer gig. It's for some guys that support the youth hunting club. It's going to be bad. <laughs> you did tell me and i tried to get you to go without me <clears throat> like just meet meet up with them and know me know me involved and you're like i will do it if you do it and i was like damn it yeah. i was like joey prepare yourself but you know i could have just gone by myself at that point because i was doing everything <laughs> myself hey dude I, uh i didn't know we'll just uh, like that. hey man uh you're going to do this for free <laughs> and you're going to take all the liability in your boat and these guys, <laughs> and these guys are uh, gonna piss you off all day. And now, are their dogs gonna retrieve any ducks? No. Are you gonna have to go out in your waders in an area that you've never been and possibly go over your waders while you're getting these ducks? Yes. Hey, so I just dropped a protein shake and egg fart. We should probably end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, Nick, thank you for and coming I, on, man. Guys, make sure you check us out on YouTube and Instagram, and we will see you soon.